Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. And we have to say a hearty, happy Thanksgiving to all our U.S. listeners because they had uh, Thanksgiving yesterday. And with us, speaking of Thanksgiving turkeys, John Van Berger. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Actually, uh, Thanksgiving is today. Is it today? Yeah. Is it the 26th? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was the 25th. Oh, that's Christmas. Nope. Ah, something like Christmas or something, isn't it? <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Derek? Thank you. Not you, Derek, because you, you don't count. I don't count? Well, you're Canadian, so you already had your Thanksgiving. You don't get two Thanksgivings. <laughs> I, on the other hand, do. <laughs> Just because. Um, yeah. yeah, it's Turkey Day, man. Turkey Day. So let's talk. Do we got anything turkey related to talk about, John? Um, no, not a thing. Well, already on to the next <laughs> subject. Then you like that? I mean, segue? I saw some tur- saw some wild turkeys when I was paddling in Missouri, but we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that a little later. Yes, there was turkeys oh. there. Uh-huh. Kind of uh, cool watching them uh, fly across a river, though. I will say that that was cool. Wait, they flew across the river? Yeah, yeah. Scott is my no, witness. Actually, they, I swear they turkeys built a raft could fly. And it. <laughs> I think turkeys could fly. WKRP in Cincinnati. My witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Yeah. WKRP in Cincinnati <laughs> taught us all that turkeys cannot fly, John. <laughs> I know. I know. And if you can't trust WKRP, well, who can you trust? Well, apparently not you, because you're seeing things like turkeys flying and such. Maybe somebody's nipping into a little... Extra turkey whiskey or something. Turkey whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Was that uh, turkey? Yeah, there's a, a really rancid turkey. Wild turkey. Oh, wild turkey. Wild turkey. Yeah. That's it. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, that's that was my first experience with whiskey. Was wild turkey, and I drank uh, <laughs> about three quarters of a bottle of that by myself when I was 19 years old. Before you knew uh, better. Oh dear. Yeah. 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 It was that was ugly. That was a, it was funny, but it was really ugly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Never again. Never again. Never. I tried it once, once, once. (laughs) Um, Derek, anything new? Not much on my front. Why not? I got a broken computer. That's why I'm using my work one. Oh, my computer's fan keeps going rather loudly. (laughs) I need, I need a new, new, this is a 2008. Yeah. Yeah. My MacBook is 2008. I've kept it running that long. I've not had a problem with it yet. Knock on wood and <laughs> tables and all that stuff. Um, you came across, well, it's, it's been all over the place, but you. Everybody's been chatting about it today. Yeah. You, you, you were the first one I think that brought it to my attention. So I'm calling it. Derek's monolith. <laughs> Derek, tell us about your monolith. <laughs> so, so it's it's the strangest of things. So uh, it just harkens back to uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey, and uh, it's out in the middle of the Utah desert and end a little this little box canyon is this triangular stainless steel monolith. So the uh, this uh, parks crew were they're doing a head count of bighorn sheep 
And uh, as they flew over, they, uh, he says, no, we got to go back. We got to go back. There's something down there. And so they, after they did their count, they flew back to the, uh, the location and they all landed the helicopter. They all climbed down into the box Canyon and, and they're all standing beside this thing. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, what? 12, 14 inches per side, three sided. And it's about 10 to 12 feet high. It's just, it's like this monolith out in the I'm middle of nowhere. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. And it's just, everybody's like, oh, were there any bones or, or monkeys around it? Or <laughs> <laughs> Well, the big thing was that they were not telling anybody where it was. Yeah. They were, they we're not going to tell anybody where it is because we don't want people out there. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. At that point, the mention, the minute you put something on their, because they put, I think it was on their Instagram page. The minute you do that and yeah. say, check this out, we're not telling anybody where it is. Well, you, that's like telling a kid, don't put your hand in that cookie jar. Don't press that big yeah. red button because you know people are going to start hunting for yeah. it. Yeah. So I went to Reddit and I found uh, several people have posted the location. One guy, he described how he found it. He, uh, he, the helicopter flyover and the color of the sandstone and so on. He said he recognized certain areas. He, he, uh, so he just kind of narrowed it down and there he found it. Right. Mm-hmm. He, but he knew the area, he knew the color of the sandstone and where, where that color of sandstone can be found. And, uh, so then there's another guy, the other guy didn't say how he found it, but it shows him standing on top of the thing. Yeah. And like, it took him like a day to find it and get to it. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, uh. But one of the things they say is, uh, like, you can't be building stuff like this out in the middle of uh, Park's land. It's, uh, mm-hmm. the next thing you know, like, if somebody builds something and you let it happen, then it's like, uh, well, it's like Inukshuks. Like Everybody's Enough do it. with the Inukshuks. It's yeah. polluting the park. You're not, you're, you think you're leaving something that will bring joy to people, but no, all you're doing is, it's like a form of lettering. Yeah. Right? It's like, stop with the Inukshuks. Well, the original guy that found it and said, I'm not telling anybody where it was. I'll show you a picture. I found it, but yeah. not telling you the, the um, coordinates or anything like that. He's actually saying that it's illegal, destructive to the rock, potentially disruptive to the bighorn sheep if it becomes a trend, meaning more people do this yeah. sort of stuff. And he says, hopefully the Bureau of Land Management or National Park Service send out a crew to take it down. And they probably should. Yeah. Theories abound because in 2000, what we say, 15, 13 and 15, the Google Earth, it wasn't there. And then in 2000, October 2016, Google Earth showed it was there. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You got to figure it's there because, yeah. but I mean, you, you have different theories and people are saying, oh no, it might've been there from the forties or fifties. Yeah. Which is not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then why it was there and who put it there, you know, they were so saying curious, that eh? there's this one, John, what was the name of the artist? Was it McCracken? McCracken. That's it. Uh, it they're saying it was one of his and then they're going, no, cause you know, he died before it was put up. Uh, then they're saying maybe it's, uh, one of his friend that you know set it up in as a um an homage to him right and then somebody oh no this this reminds me of the work of this artist and that artist goes yeah sorry i i can't claim this one (laughs) sort of (laughs) like a oh why didn't i think of that wasn't me (laughs) as much as i'd love to take the credit for it (laughs) 
Can you imagine, so if the interior department removes this, right, because it's not supposed to be there, et, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, they go ahead and remove it. Can you imagine the conspiracy theories that are going to pop up on that? Well, I'm thinking it's like a frozen carbonite copy of uh, Han Solo. <laughs> there you go. Or maybe it's one of, like I say, one of those beer fridges, you know, you got to say the right word and it opens Ooh, that they uh, put out I in public. about that. So maybe it's every, the, people walk up the, to it and you say a special word, it opens and there's like water. Because it is the desert, right? You're gonna or yeah. a nice yeah. cool beer or something like that. That'd hmm. be cool. <laughs> where where was that on uh <laughs> Utah. <laughs> start I'm on walking. the way. Yeah, I'm on my way, yeah. Go, I'm go on with, the case. Just start spouting words at it. Open sesame. Beer. <laughs> beer me. <laughs> Anybody home? Open. Um Yeah, so it, it's yeah, they say uh, Utah monolith is fascinating. I've been calling it the Derek monolith, but it's the Utah monolith. It's fascinating. The detective work it inspired is ingenious, but we should attempt no landings there. Uh, they're saying if you don't know the area, don't go because chances are you might become stranded or get lost, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, it could be dangerous. Like the last yeah. thing you need is people wandering off because for the most part, many of the people who would uh, get it in their head to head out here are probably not really self-sufficient enough to survive a, yeah. a trek. They're like just that. going out there to get an Instagram yeah. picture. Do it for the gram. Yeah. Do it's it for really the gram. Um, what, oh, you were doing a lot of research this week on the International Canoe Federation, Derek. I was. You found out a couple things that are going on, one with the Olympics and one with not. What, extreme solo, extreme canoe slalom and uh, stand-up paddleboarding. Yes. So yeah, so we've talked about the International Canoe Federation and so how there's been this ongoing battle of who's going to own SUP. SUP and stuff right? like that, yeah. So uh, I think they're both going to sort of advertise it, but it belongs to the International Canoe Federation and the uh, the ICF are fighting to get uh, SUP competitions into the Olympics. So they're, they're one step closer. It's not there yet, but they are closer. Anyways, so they have announced that... Uh, they are, they did just get one bit closer the, to adding extreme, like for one's canoe slalom. So that they're trying to get that into the Olympics, right? As well, they're trying to get SUP into the Olympics. Um, the extreme canoe slalom is, it's, it's, it's new. It's still new to canoeing, right? So, and I've seen some competitions. Uh, so there's, there's, some, there's not, not Olympic level, but there's international competitions mm-hmm. where they go through the gates in the white water and, and so on. Right. So it's, uh, it, it you, you, it's most popularly done by uh, whitewater kayak, right? So, but they're going to do a head-to-head format. It uh, so it's attracting new fans. It's uh, since its introduction to the ICF World Cups and World Championship programs. So it, it's uh, it's an interesting take, and for they're, they're building legitimacy by having all these international competitions, and it's, it makes it easier to have it uh, accepted into the Olympics, right? So you can't just create a new sport and put it in the Olympics. It has to have some legitimacy. People have to win international competitions to to compete and get uh, graded and leveled up to a level where you could be accepted into the Olympics, right? Yeah, they're trying to do this for the Paris 2024 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also the thing about medals. They have to take, you can, you can only hand out so many medals. Okay. So the, the ICF voted 
on a proposal to transfer two medals from the canoe sprint program and add them to the extreme slalom. Yeah. Right? So they can transfer that way. So, you know, they're not adding, you know, more medals to, yeah. the, to, the, to the tally sort of thing. Um, and, the, I mean, the ICF president is even saying, you know what, now is the time, the, the right time for Olympic program changes like this. And... Um, the extreme slalom, they're saying, also fits the uh, IOC, the International Olympic Committee's requirements for sports to strive for more value out of their venues. So the extreme slalom, uh, canoe slalom, will be, will happen on the same canoe slalom course as other slalom uh, events. So they're reusing venues at the Olympics. Right, so they're not having to build more more venues and stuff like that. They're using existing stuff, which is part of their thing. And there's, I, I read something about um, it has to also um, faster, more popular, higher adrenalized sports. Exactly. Yeah. That's what the IOC wants to, wants to do. Yes. And I've noticed one of the other things that they, they, they mentioned quite a number of times is television related. And young people related, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the Olympics, it's like they're trying to get more young people. Because realistically, how many young people, if they're unless they're into whatever sports, you know, sit down and watch the Olympics for two weeks, right? Yeah. So they're trying to get the younger people yeah. into sitting. Well, you know what? There's a really cool event. Getting more eyes you know? into the venue, getting more eyes onto the TV, yeah. more advertising. And, yeah, and they really more. say with the, with, yeah. the, with the TV, you know, because this sort of fits right into that TV <clears throat> spectrum. You know, watching the yeah. races and stuff and, like and that. And it's it's really comes down to uh, it's setting doing Olympics is hugely expensive for the country that mm-hmm. hosts it. And in order for the Olympics to continue on in the future, it has to be in some way profitable for the host country. And if you can get more eyes on it, more advertising dollars, more more people into the venues, it it, uh, it will help the Olympics thrive into the future. And with, with current, with the current way the, the world is now, like more than ever, they need more eyes on the Olympics, more eyes to watch the competitions, whether yeah. at the venue or on TV. Yeah. And I've got a solution for that. <laughs> What's that? Free TVs? No, nude <laughs> athletes. Oh. Ooh, go back to the old Greek athletes. See? Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Think what their ratings <laughs> would be if it was nude athletes. <laughs> okay, John. It's, it's traditional. You know, I'm just saying. Um, uh, oh, I'm just drawing a blank. What is that wrestling? The big oh sumo wrestling. <laughs> okay, does that put an end to your theory right there, John? <laughs> because if it doesn't, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> they might as well be naked. They don't wow. wear much. <laughs> uh, the other thing they're they're talking about is the 2021. Um, Canoe Federation Junior and under thir- 23 uh, Canoe Slalom World Championships are being held in Slovenia in July next next year. And also the uh, Wildwater Canoeing Championships are being held in Slovenia in August next year for the, uh, the canoeing. Uh, the stand-up paddle boarding. You yes. were talking about the so World there's Championships. Been, there's been some more movement from that, with that as well. So... Uh, ICF has taken up, taken over, set up paddleboarding. Who was it? Who it was? Uh, surfing, surfing federation, surfing and, and, and the international ICF, yeah. canoe federation have been fighting over it, right? 
So anyways, it's now been, uh, I think a judge had decided who's going to. Yeah, the judges have decided. So the ICF. But there, now, there are certain things they're sharing. They're going to share, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so uh, the world championships in China had already been regarded as the best sup world titles ever. And uh, so they're thinking, they're, they're very excited about next year's, uh, There's that next year's will surpass even the, the results of the, the China championship. So it's, uh, ICF is uh, going to have the Hungarian Canoe Fed and the Hungarian Canoe Federation is going to host the uh, the world championships in 2021 with June 18th through 20. It's uh, Lake Balaton. It's uh, the largest lake in Central Europe. It's, uh, so it's the world home of the Cross Balaton Paddling Festival. So already thousands of people are attracted to, uh, to the uh, region every year. And so they're very excited about the, this new, this new competition. And, uh, what, what are they saying? Uh, the, it's going to be for sprint distance, technical classes, junior open and masters categories. They're also going to be a race for inflatables as a way to encourage those with less experience to give SUP a go. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool because yeah. all these people go out and watch it. Yeah, and they're yeah. thinking, oh, I wonder if I could do that. Well, yeah, you know what? Bring exactly. along your inflatable one yeah. and enter yourself in. Yeah, exactly. See what happens. Like me with my new inflatable SUV. Exactly. See, we could be seeing you over in Hungary, John. <laughs> cool. I only go if it's a nude competition, though. Well, there's nothing <laughs> in the rules that, that say <laughs> it's better to ask for forgiveness than, <laughs> than permission. <laughs> and there's prize money on offer. Yes. Generous mm. prize money will be offered. And if you want to get anybody, any professional athlete is like your, I say professional athlete, but anybody who comp- competes internationally, in order to get people into these meets, you not you need to have prize money. Like people are gonna, people have to fly there. The you know hotels, accommodations, and stuff like that. It, it has to be not necessarily profitable, but people have to make ends meet, right? Mm-hmm. So with generous prize money on offer, then that that should draw more people into it. Yeah, well, it looks pretty good because I mean. So far, most of this year, people think, well, things aren't probably going to happen next year or things aren't going to happen, but yeah. they're putting up dates. They're putting up, you know, they're, they're, they're getting things. They're planning. Planning. They're planning for and things. So for something like this, there's going to be television coverage, depending on what the, what the world uh, effort is for COVID next year, they can still have the competition, but you're not going to have crowds and bleachers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It'll well, be look at the masters. They just held the masters. Yes, Exactly. Right. Yeah. And life I mean, has to go on, but it has to go on carefully. Mm-hmm. So, well, I'll be interesting to see how those uh, all turn out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, 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 John. Yes. Uh, while you're just sitting over there not doing anything, he's probably getting just sitting there thinking of turkey. <laughs> naked turkeys. Narky, naked, naked turkeys. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Novacraft canoes. Yeah. You got something well, going on because you've been busy apparently. Yeah, put together a Novacraft Canoe Owners Group on Facebook. If uh, you have a, a, a Novacraft Canoe or if you're interested in one, this would be a, a good group to join up with. Um, what it is, it's, it's you know, I, I had talked with a company and just said, hey, I'd like to, you know, I, I love that prospector that I've got. I'd like to set up a, a group. Is that cool with you? And they said, sure, you know, go ahead. 
So it's uh, independent of the company, and it's a place for Novacraft owners to talk about their canoes, uh, you know, where they take them, modifications they've made, uh, repairs if need be, all that kind of thing. So if people have a Novacraft canoe, if they're interested in one, you know, there will be basically hundreds of experts on there, you know, people that own them that you can talk to and, and get opinions on. And, you know, it'll uh, have information on what, you know, people like uh, Jim Baird and, and Tori Baird now, who is just named an ambassador, an ambassador for Novacraft, yeah. which is very cool because she's doing some outstanding things. And, um, you know, so I think uh, Kevin Callen, you know, uh, folks like that. So we'll be involved in there somehow as well. So if you are interested, uh, go uh, when you get on Facebook, uh, look for the Novacraft Canoe Owners Group. Um, and we'd we'll, love to have you with we'll, one we'll, condition. We'll post a link on our Facebook page. Yeah, that works. But the one condition is you have to be a nice person. I'm a, well, that leaves us out, Derek. <laughs> that and the fact that we don't have Novagrav canoes. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's so much, you know, vitriol on on um, Facebook and social media these days that I think that was the number one rule for the group was to be nice. And uh, if you can't be, we'll bounce you. So, you know, it's... Uh, ah, your nose you with a rubber hose, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we, we set that up and... and um, people want to drop by that'd be cool i'd love to have them awesome yeah we'll uh we'll get the uh link and we'll uh we'll post it on our facebook page so people can just click and and get there that sounds good uh your other um other my your other my, thing what, my what, other <laughs> what, what is the word i'm looking for my job concern, concern is the outdoor kind Oh, yeah. Yes. You got something going with that too. We do. So, you know, we've had the outdoor kind going a few years now. And, and uh, earlier in the year, we had talked about how COVID has been, you know, pretty rough on a lot of businesses and, and uh, with the outdoor kind as well, because we've never run this um, where we had, you know, like a big profit to carry over because we always donate to first responder groups in, in Canada and in the U.S. Right. And uh, we don't take any money from this personally at all. And so, um, you know, we always run fairly narrow margins. And this year, because of COVID, though, we're, to be quite honest, we're kind of deep in the hole. So what we are doing is we've set up an online fundraiser. It's going to be a presentation on outdoors and wildlife photography. And so... You know, I've, I've worked as a photographer in the past and I've taken, you know, outdoors photos as long as I've been an adult. So it's uh, going to be sharing some of those photos uh, from, uh, you know, all over the place, uh, telling stories about what happened when taking them, and then just some general tips and considerations for people for, for better pictures. So it should be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll have all the details of that on our website which is theoutdoorkind.org. Again, it's theoutdoorkind.org. And we'll have stuff on Facebook as well. That will probably be up online by the time folks are hearing this. And if not, it will be up by Friday morning. So when people are looking for things to spend money on, they can go to our website where they can also find stickers and T-shirts and those kinds of things, and uh, which all make great gifts, by the way. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, then all proceeds will go to the outdoor kind so we can stay afloat uh, during COVID times and continue to do outdoor safety info in the coming years. And yeah, we'll post a link to that as well. If you want to throw that my way, I'll throw it up on our Facebook page as well. Um, so people can know where to get the information on the fundraiser. Cool. Yeah, it should be fun. It's, it's going to be called Lions and Great Whites and Bears, Oh My. <laughs> and it will be a, a longer version of a presentation I gave at the Quiet Adventure Symposium mm-hmm. last year. I had done a short version of that. This will be the full presentation. has photos of, of those animals and photos from, you know, from actually kind of a lot of different places. I think five different continents. So. Ooh, excellent. Yeah. yeah. So kind of fun and, and lots of stories. You know, we, we want it to be a very... You know, I'm calling that campfire casual. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just kind of, uh, kind of will take questions. Were you going to have it set up on, on the same platform that Dennis Rogers uh, uses with the Canoe Hound Outdoor Adventure Show? Which you were on mm-hmm. this week? Which I was on this week, yeah, which was great fun. And uh, I got to say some really nice things about you. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching at that point. <laughs> what did he say? I wasn't watching. Oh, I, there was words exchanged afterwards. <laughs> I think I got a message from you that said, you traitorous bastard and You're I fired. should fire you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something along those lines. I think yeah, I yeah. paraphrase. No, you're not paraphrasing. <laughs> that was pretty much exactly it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how many people sent me messages. What, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be recording tonight? Well, because my one question, my one thing was, yeah, we're supposed to be recording, but um, one of the people that are supposed to be talking this week on our on our podcast isn't available. He's sitting in a he's sitting in a hot tent, wearing a red plaid jacket and a green hat, and he's on YouTube. And I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I appreciate your guys, uh, you know, rearranging your schedule for me. You know what? Like Tuesday nights is our is our recording night, and that gives us time to to do you know do our recording and then get it all ready so that Thursday morning it's boom, it's there. Yeah. But it seems like there's like Dennis does his thing on Tuesday nights, and we record mm-hmm. on Tuesday nights. And there's the um, Gail has her um, Twitter uh thing on on questions on uh tuesday nights and like yeah there's all these things that happen tuesday nights and what is it about tuesday nights ben stacy he was yeah he was going to do his stuff on on tuesday nights and i said no because you're competing (laughs) with everybody go thursday (laughs) i got thursday morning you take thursday night let the rest of them fight over tuesday (laughs) did i did i mention that the outdoor kind fundraisers on a tuesday night oh jeez (laughs) no it's killing me here (laughs) it's on wednesday december 16th and i don't think i gave that time before so wednesday december 16th uh small donation four or five dollars and uh, more if you would like to, if you would like to be kind. Um, but yeah, yeah a kind. Wednesday, Wednesday evening. Alrighty, that works. <laughs> that works. Um, do, 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 do. We got one more thing before we take a quick break here. It's about a disappearing lake. Oh, yes. 
Derek. Again, Derek. This is all the Derek and I John I occasionally show this come week. up with some stuff. Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. Wow. So this one, like, when I first saw it, it's like, oh, this is this is crazy. And then it turns out it, it's it's not the first time this has happened. So, but it's just, it's starting to happen more. Like, it, usually it was like, occasionally it would happen. And then it would happen in the last three years. And, and this year they managed to catch it on video or time lapse. It's right? crazy, just not as crazy yeah. as you'd hope. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so when I first saw it, it was like, uh, so it's, uh, it's Bear Glacier Lake. It's in Alaska. It's a, a glacier. It's like an ice dam that holds this lake up. And uh, so this lake is like, uh, what is it, 800 feet or 800 meters at altitude. And the lake itself is 300 feet deep. Yeah. And uh, so in over throughout the summer, people go up to the glaciers they uh they go up to this lake and they it's very photogenic there's mm-hmm. they get pictures of them uh with i pictures with them stand up paddle boarding around uh, icebergs and so on right yeah it's a very beautiful lake like i went online i found all the bunch of you go to google images and it's just it's a very photogenic area anyways in the fall when this uh 300 foot deep lake so when it gets up to a certain elevation, so it's usually at about 800 feet in elevation, the surface of the water. And uh, depending on the year, this year it, it was at 70 or 75 feet when the incident happened. Previous years have been as high as 880 feet. Uh, so it's, uh, and this is elevation that I'm giving. Anyways, uh, the water gets high enough that it floats at the chunk of the glacier up and then the whole lake rushes out underneath the glacier and then it's just this mud pit and uh, and the, and then the next year it'll refill again right mm-hmm. anyway so it's uh, they said it's like pulling the plug in a bathtub and uh, so it they said it's uh, it's exciting when it happens you don't want to be in the lower uh, lower part of uh, of bear glacier lake the, in the in the lagoon yeah there's a lagoon below it cuz the, the the actual lake is 800 vertical feet above the lagoon. Yes. So the way I'm looking at it is you got this, basically, in my mind, it's um, like Hoover Dam. Yeah. And then when there's so much pressure or whatever, Hoover Dam lifts yeah. and all the water behind it gushes out, out under the bottom yeah. into the lagoon at the bottom. Yeah. That's the that's sort of the analogy. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I, that's I'm why I see it too. This, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so now as, uh, so they, from photo evidence, they see that on November 4th, they, it was a full lake and it was all gone by November 13th. The whole lake had drained out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it's, uh, it's really the, it's pretty dramatic to see the, uh, the imagery and the photographs of it, of it, uh, from one side, it's like a beautiful lake way up in the mountains above a glacier. And next thing you know, it's just a mud pit. A giant mud pit. Yeah. And they're saying <laughs> when it happens, you don't want to be in the lagoon. No. <laughs> is coming up. Yeah. They, they say the lake, such a lake can release nearly 3,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools of water per day. <laughs> That's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to be there, that's for sure. But what's crazy is the uh, the flow erosion which should cut a groove underneath the glacier down to the lagoon below. But it, uh, well, I guess it just refreezes and so mm-hmm. water trickles into the gap or whatever was eroded through and it plugs it up again. You get your, your ice dam and then it refills over the next summer. And then eventually that crack that froze probably is a, is a weak point 
Yeah. And it just recracks. Yeah. And yeah, it lifts it up at the bottom. Everything yeah. rushes out again. And <laughs> it's like a natural dam. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's, it's cool to actually see that. It, but I wonder the f- if the, the mud up there too, like around glacial areas and then going out into the coast, um, into coastal Alaska, that mud is, it can be really dangerous because it sets up. And so you can step into this stuff and it will lock in around your feet. Oh, yeah? And yeah, and it creates suction. It, it comes in. And so we were up there and we, this is going back in the early 90s. And I'd met up with a group of uh, off-road riders up there and we were going to uh, ride out to this glacier. And we ended up getting, uh, get, we kind of got out to this, this place where there was one river and it was just, it was going to be too much, you know. So we turned around, went back. But we found a truck that had got caught in, this is near a, a glacial river, and it had got caught in this, and it, um, one of the axles was sprung, and then whatever they had used to try to pull this out, actually, you, there was hydraulic fluid all over the ground, so it, it destroyed that. that. Yeah. And the truck, the 4x4 was still there, hmm. and um, they couldn't get it out. And there were times like where... I remember one spot where I I came up over this little bit of a rise and I landed and all of the area around me just like undulated. How do you like that? Undulated. (laughs) Dictionary. Quick, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) But it it like moved like there was water under it. And it was, it kind of freaked you out because it was like, oh, I got to keep moving here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um so I wonder if if it has that same effect. Then once that once that empties out and that you know becomes that big mud pit. Yeah, I wonder if they took a big front end loader up there and started digging. Would they find stuff <laughs> from like past civilizations ba- and stuff? Baby doll heads. <laughs> yeah, sup boards. <laughs> For <laughs> that kayak paddle. Well, they do. Uh, there are there are archaeologists that uh, do spend, and in the last couple of years, they've been too busy. Like they, they just can't keep up with it. But when glaciers and when these permafrost areas start to thaw, they yep. get in there as fast as they can, and they find, you know, raw hide and mm-hmm. arrowheads and well, knives there is, and there stuff is a like thing that. happening up in Norway right now. Yeah. There's a melting glacier, and they found like 68 um, old arrows oh, from yeah? going yeah. back to the Viking that. Age. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. So, yeah, so that and sort that, of thing is pretty yeah. cool. You, you know, but you got to get find. in there quick because, like, if it's in, anything like a textile or leather, then as soon as it uh, thaws, it's going to rot right away, right? Yeah. So you got to get in there right? quick, and it's really hard to get in there quick enough because it's just you, it's hard to access. There's only so many people that can run around and do this kind of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's only so much money to you know spend to get people out here, out there. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can find in these remote areas when when glaciers do finally recede. You know, in, in traditional hunting grounds or where there's you know typically uh, large elk caribou herds and so on, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's a lot of these, and they're finding a lot of these old weapons and and you know arrows and knives and so on, right? So it's fascinating to see what's being found. It is. There's a there's a reportedly a mastodon graveyard, if you will, that is coming up out of the permafrost up along the Yukon River. Oh yeah. And 
uh, it was written about in one of the guidebooks, and and I was just like, oh god, you know, I want to see that. That would be amazing to see. And apparently, you can smell it because it's uh-huh. as as that's thawing, right? It is rotting. Well, but uh, unfortunately, that was after the point we had to stop the Yukon journey. So, you know, maybe maybe next year. Have you watched uh, Gold Rush Alaska? Mm-hmm. The TV I show? Have not. No, I have. Oh, they found um, like a couple of uh, Macedon tusks oh, yeah? while they've been mm. digging. Huh. It's up mm-hmm. that up up in Alaska, in that right? But yeah. the other thing about the lakes like this, uh, this one when it drains, uh, Found Lake in Algonquin Park, which is right along the Highway 60 corridor where mm-hmm. the art gallery is. Yep, that's mm-hmm. like a massively deep lake. But they've actually taken core samples oh. from the bottom of that lake. And when they bring up the core sample, they can see, oh, there was a massive forest fire here and, yeah, yeah. and different things. So if you've got a 300 foot deep lake and it yeah. drains yeah. and you go yeah. there and from 300 feet, basically you're standing 300 feet deep now yeah. and you do some core samples straight down, that'd be interesting to see what they find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? That would be. Yep. Interesting. Pingala Lake up in northern Quebec. You know, that uh, it's the big crater. The meteor crater. The meteor crater, the crater lake. Yeah. So there's no inflow of water. The only water that ever gets in there is rainwater. It's one of the pristine, cleanest waters there is. And what they can, they've, they've taken core samples of the uh, the mud at the bottom of this. It's like three or 400 feet deep. Anyways, there's like hundreds of feet of mud at the bottom and uh, they've analyzed it and they can see what's been going like it's very minuscule because very little goes in there except rainwater right so what they're getting is is anything atmospheric that falls into the lake which would be like volcanic eruptions or whatever sinks to right? the bottom sinks to the bottom and then they can see they can kind of chart backwards because it, it is a pristine lake there's only, only rainwater gets in there so whatever they read whatever they pull up from the ice from the mud cores they can determine you know there's a volcano at this period of time there is whatever right yeah. so it's uh, it's really interesting what they can determine from either you know mud cores or ice cores or whatever Wow. I think we need to take a commercial break because we're starting to get too smarty, sciencey <laughs> sort of thing here. Yeah. So <laughs> let's uh, let's take a quick commercial here. Um, and we come back, we're going to talk to John about uh, his paddling adventures because he's, he's the only one still paddling. Yeah, I know. Out because we're, we're dealing with snow and everything yeah, here now. Exactly. So we'll be right back in a minute. Hey, this is Sean Rowley, and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. 
Welcome back. So, John. Yes. You've been out a paddling again. I have been. Everywhere. <laughs> I wish. Well, a couple of places you went to while well, you were at the current river last month. Yep. I went down there with uh, Scott Oath on one of his bull moose patrol uh, <laughs> trips. And uh, yeah, that was awesome. Then you went down with your friend Lisa. Yeah, about two weeks ago, went down. She got a, she's a nurse mm-hmm. and had a week off work. And she said, do you want to go paddling? And I'm like, I know the place. So uh, we took, uh, took our kayaks down there. And we were trying to, you know, didn't want to go to the same place again, even though the current river is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but we thought this time, after doing a little research on other rivers down there, wanted to go to the Gasconade. Right. And we had talked about this, what, a couple episodes ago. Yeah, about, yeah. Because you know, was getting you, ready to go. Yeah. And that is reportedly one of the curviest rivers in the world, is what mm-hmm. they say. And then the Niangua, which has a lot of springs on it, and it's also known as one of the best trout streams in the state. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be worth going right there. It sounded uh, kind of intriguing. So yeah. and thought, that's down well, in the Ozarks, that. right? Down in the Ozarks, yep, south-central Missouri. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in fact, the Gasconade, the section we were going to do, the Gasconade is, is what is it, like, uh, it's under 400 miles, but it's all within the state. Oh, and, yeah, because uh, it's so windy. It's right, right. like not as far as the crow flies. But yes. if you actually paddle it, it's like astronomical yeah. distance. Well, yeah. That is the, what I've decided is the uh, publicity value from the State Department of Tourism. Okay. Is it, <laughs> is it really what happened? It is a fantastic river. Uh-huh. But it's I think that's a little a little overblown maybe. But, oh. A little far fetched. Yes. But yes. I tell you what, it is it was great and, and worth, you know, the drive down. We um we loaded up early from uh we, we met up at my parents' place down in Illinois and then drove from there so it was only going to be like a you know seven hour six and a half seven hour drive for us right and a lot of a lot of high winds that day i think this was that that windstorm that hit over there and all of your fences were blowing over and everything oh my barbecue cover blew off (laughs) yeah Uh, so i i thought you know we're getting is like oh this is this could be kind of rough on the road especially i was going to take a a j carrier you know and put that up but but that wide kayak on a J carrier is just like putting oh, up a sail. Yeah. And so, you know, with a little Toyota Corolla, you're just getting knocked all over the road. Yeah. So I uh, got some pool noodles and tucked it right down on the bars and thought I was in good shape. And uh, I put a cockpit cover on it and I put a few items inside the cockpit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a bungee cord that goes around the cockpit, you know, you know the, the combing, right? Yeah. Um, typically. I had a carabiner clipped to the deck rigging. There were two places where the NRS straps attached the kayak to the bars that okay. went over that cover. I had a bungee cord around the very middle of it. And despite all of that, the wind was so bad that it ripped the cover off. Wow. And one of the spray skirts that I had tucked inside of it flew out. <laughs> just 
like driving down the interstate and just woof. so I'm dri- I don't see it at all and driving along and I get a call from Lisa and she's like something just flew out of your kayak I'm like wait what she's like yeah something flew out something gray I'm like uh oh so we go back and we drove back and forth along that section of you know of interstate um, three different times and never found it right. um, which was too bad because the that was a, a half skirt that wilderness systems used to make for it that they don't make anymore. Uh. So, yeah. So that meant that I had to buy some, you know, when we got down there, I bought some, had to buy some rain pants because, you know, with that, that large cockpit, you end up getting, you Soaked. know, yep. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but it's amazing. Um, next time you're driving down the interstate, I, now I don't want you to, you know, spend your whole time focusing on this cause you got to pay attention to your driving. Um, <laughs> or, you're texting if you know if you're yeah. texting right? yeah you know um, but it's amazing what you'll see along the roads uh on the interstate i i the 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 list of items was kind of scary but of course not what i was looking for so you know we played so dead we, animal bingo going down the road oh geez <laughs> dead animals uh tires coolers tarps um clothing bags yeah. shoes shoes yes hats it was it was crazy lots and lots of dead animals yeah. and you know it was so yeah so we ended up getting down uh after dark uh to the campground and the campground was actually at an access point and it was in the middle of nowhere and uh we got there and got everything set up got a fire going it was really nice felt great just to be outside you know so we were very much looking forward to getting going and the great thing about that was is where we were that was our put in place so mm-hmm. we did a we did a portage uh, or, or excuse me we did a uh, we did a shuttle drop with uh, the other vehicle which was about uh, I don't know probably 10 miles down the road or something like that 10 12 miles and uh, had a great paddle that day I mean it was it was awesome it was uh, this was on the Gasconade right and so we, you know, Lisa said with this, this particular trip, she's like, that had everything. There was sun and rain. There was calm water. And then there were white caps because of the wind on some of the straight sections, the wind was just blowing so hard that it was forming white caps. There were, you know, these very shallow rocky sections. And then you'd go over these deep green blue holes that were just, you know, beautiful color. And, uh, but it was it was gorgeous. It was a lot like the current in a lot of ways. You, the current is, you know, a, a national river system, national park service administer. So there's not as many houses and that kind of thing, and it, it feels more wilderness, right? Than than what the Gasconade did. But uh, very very similar in, in terms of you know of the river and where you're paddling. Uh, a lot of uh, you know the big bluffs that you're looking at and the cliffs. And caves in those, you know, and, and oh, that's uh, cool. yeah, you know, and it, and it's one of those things that you know your fifteen-year-old boy brain goes and it's like Jesse James used to be running around this area. I wonder if there's any treasure, and you know, I mean that kind of thing, right? That's where the bears live. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and uh, but you know, Lisa made the point was you know because at this point when I was down last time there were the fall colors had just passed peak, but it was still really gorgeous. But this time, most of the leaves are off the trees. And so you had these huge trees, these beautiful trees lining the banks. And then you could see up onto these cliffs. And, and Lisa said, you know, if 
if it was still summer or fall where you had all these leaves, you wouldn't have this view of the cliffs. So it was like, that's a good point, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you, it's not as what would be considered traditionally pretty, but you also got views that a lot of people out there on summer don't get. That's true. What about wildlife, I guess, this, at that well, time of year? Yeah, a lot of wildlife. Uh, a lot of white-tailed deer. There was a, at one point, we there was a 12-point buck along wow. the river. He, he was huge with like five females around him. Um, there was uh, otter, eagles, clown heads, uh, crows, buzzards. Clown heads? Clown heads, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dare we ask? <laughs> there was elaborate? Uh, paddling down the river. I'm looking at something, and it's like it's white. Looks kind of like a human head. I'm like, okay, but there's a tuft of orange around it. And as I get a little bit closer, I see the orange goes kind of all the way around it. And then there's eyes and a nose and a mouth, and it's a clown head. Um, <laughs> It was floating in the river. On, it was uh, along the shore, uh, along one of the riverbanks, rather, and it was in this thing that must have been uh, sitting upright before. This was floating down, uh, so it was like it was on its back. So it was like but a mannequin's what? clown head. Yeah, not yeah. a real. <laughs> well, I didn't. We look don't at like that. clowns around here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look at it that close. It could have been one of those idiots that used to dress up in clown outfits to scare oh, people. Oh, right. That yeah. was a fad like, what, two years ago? Yeah, it right. was. Yeah. And if it was one of them, he got what he deserved. So, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really care. Uh, now, there's a, there is a uh, Ruby's Landing down there. It does a big haunted float for the Halloween season. Oh. And. So there was a lot of stuff, and then, and we found like uh, styrofoam uh, grave markers, you know, like uh, yeah. tombstones and and things like that on the water too. And and all of it, of course, was too big for me to you know to get on, like because I would have cleaned it up, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but too big to get on the kayak. So so that's still out there if anybody's interested. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this question, just to break into your your trip log here for a minute. Yeah. Have both of you ever wondered or fantasized isn't the word, but thought, man, imagine coming across like a body. Oh. Yes. Like floating. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. what would you do in the middle of nowhere? And they're, ooh, hey. Uh-oh. Yeah. 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 Dude's trip didn't go as planned. What would <laughs> there you is, uh, Now I have to report this. I, I, I met someone that found one. Really? Uh, he was, yeah, he was up, a uh, guy in New Hampshire. He was a, uh, a paddle instructor up there. I took a, a sea kayaking course, and he was one of the, the guys that was teaching the course. And he was paddling in, I'm trying to think what river it was. can't remember the river now, but it was in New Hampshire. And what had happened is uh, uh, somebody had gone in during the winter, had fallen through the ice, and um, they didn't find the body, and he found it in spring. See, we and, do that with uh, moose. Yeah. Yeah. Moose fall through the lake, and then in the spring, you find them. Yeah. Floating, yeah. contaminating yeah. the water. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a um, ooh, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out. Some, some listeners will know this guy. Paul Kelly, he's an Australian singer-songwriter, and he wrote a song about that, about some guys going up 
uh, fishing for a weekend, camping and fishing for the weekend. And they get to their campsite and they go out to fish and they find a woman floating there and she's been murdered. And they decide they don't want to upset their trip, though. So they tuck her in between some logs and some rocks and, and, uh, and then call the police at the end of their fishing trip. <laughs> and, oh. yeah, and it is written from the perspective of this one of these gentlemen's uh, partners and what she thinks about, you know, what kind of person would, would do that. Right. So it was it, it's a it was an interesting song and actually I was I was kind of humming that as I was paddling down the river at this point. <laughs> because, you know, cuz you're you kind of like sicko. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, so cuz on one hand you're sitting there thinking like, "Oh my god, I found a body." And then on the other hand you're like, "Oh yeah. I found a body once." <laughs> I'm always on the lookout for bags of money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be yeah. nice. No, I, when you start, see, I mean, you see things in yeah in the yeah. river. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, when I was up on the Moose River, we found a half sunk motorboat. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And with the with the engine and everything still oh, yeah? on it, really. And we're yeah. like, okay, this yeah, something went right. bad. Yeah, no <laughs> mm-hmm. bodies, just a half sunk motorboat. Yeah, you know. So you you just wonder, like, ooh, I, I don't think I'd want to find one. No, I I don't think I would either. The guy said it was, the the guy that I met that found the one in New Hampshire said it was, you know, uh, it was not a pretty thing. Yeah, it would be very disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so you found a clown head and hopefully we're thinking (laughs) that it's a fake one. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get back on topic. (laughs) But, uh, you know, the the river, I mean, it was actually a a great paddle, you know, kind of a great introductory and a great sampler for what's around, right? Because Mm -hmm. it was... You know, it was. She was. She was right. It had a lot of everything. And uh, overall, though, we got toward the end of it, and it was a really rough takeout. Um, you know, by that point, we were cold and wet, really windy. Uh, traffic is screaming by, and you you had to hike your your boats up to the highway. And so we get you know we get the boats up there. We go down, get gear a couple of times, and, and get everything. Get the kayaks up on top get into the car, you know, fire up the heater and uh, drive back to the campsite, at which point we realized we pulling into the campsite and we're like, oh, good. Our tents are still here. Everything looks good, you know, and turned off the keys and went, oh, crap, we forgot to put masks on. Mm. Oops. Yeah. (laughs) So that was kind of like, oh, man, you know, so realized at that point, you know, if either of us had it, we both had it now and uh lisa didn't tell me at that point but she had just worked with a covid patient the day before she left on her trip (laughs) you know so it was kind of like okay well you know we we thought about it and it's like doesn't matter now so you know had had some whiskey and stuff i'm like here take a chug off it doesn't matter you know um but it it does create kind of a weird little waiting game in the back of your mind you know yeah and I don't say that, you know, lightly and not making no, fun of anybody that's, that's doing the counting game because I know a lot of people right now are doing a counting game. So, um, but yeah, it was, that was kind of weird. And, and I think, you know, it's like, I think that underscores one thing too, sort of off the paddling piece of it is, is you can look at this and you can say, okay, you can structure a trip and say, I'm going to be absolutely as safe as possible. 
And then something like that, you're cold and you're wet and you're not thinking quite as clearly, right? And that can change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's uh, for, for people that try really hard to be careful, sometimes things happen. So, yeah. But, uh, but no, we got back, uh, got a nice fire going, warmed up. And, uh, you know, it was uh, glad to be back and, and uh, start planning for the next day then. Mm-hmm. So that was just day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we decided we wanted to do uh, like an 11-mile paddle. So we looked at this guidebook, and it was like, okay, so we just have to go down the road here a little bit, and we'll end at the campsite. This will be nice, you know. And and we were going down, and we realized is the book didn't have any street names for the smaller roads. So... It's later in the day. You have limited hours, right, when you're paddling um, fall like this. Right. And it starts getting dark so early. So we're driving down and, and kind of looking at some of these side roads, and it's like, this just doesn't seem right. And we end up at a major put-in off, off the big highway, and it was like, well, this is the 14-mile trip. But mm-hmm. now if we go back and look for the other one, we will lose as much time looking for that as what we will kind of go from here. So can we make up the, the time in between, you know? Right. So decided, you know what, let's just go for it. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll paddle us, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a good exercise workout in and, uh, it'll be cutting it close time wise. Cause this is not a river you want to be out in, in the dark. And, um, we thought we'd go for it. And how did it work out for you? <laughs> Well, the day started out really good. Um, there were uh, a lot of channels that you that will route you through uh, along these sweepers. And, the, you know, the very first part of the day I get out, I thought I picked a really good line. And the current pushed me the wrong way. So when I thought I was going to go to the left of this little, um, there was a big stump. It had a large limb coming out on the right channel. I thought, I can get over into the left, I'll be fine. And the current just took me in, in that 14-foot boat and just, you know, pushed me over. And I pegged this this limb just dead on. Perfect Ooh. center punch. Yeah. I thought, okay, I'm going over first thing, you know. It's, it's going to be a cold day, but here we go. Turns out it wasn't a limb, but it was a log that had gotten wedged in the stump underwater. So when I hit it, it just popped straight out, and I paddled right out of it. It was just like laughing. It was like, whoo this is a sign of great luck. <laughs> or... Eh, eh, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> or Turned <was> out. <laughs> but uh, there are a lot of channels like that. And one of the things that this these rivers do is there are a lot of strainers. Right. And, you know, um, you really have to watch those. Obviously, they're very dangerous if you get pulled under the force of the water you know, can, can be tricky and, and can be really dangerous. So <laughs> I, uh, I got pushed into, uh, I took one narrow channel and it ripped a hole in that gator patch repair. Uh, you remember oh, I, I from your other trip sang the praises of the gator patches. Yep. Um, I went five stars on that and I'm going back down to four now. Um, <laughs> because it, wow. it did not, did not set up as, as hard as, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I will absolutely take these out with me again, but it's I'm looking at it as you know they've said it's more of a permanent 
fix. I'm thinking still plastic welding is is really the only thing you can do that's going to be permanent with it. Yeah, it's permanently um, stuck so, to your kayak. It's not permanently <laughs> yeah. gonna gonna <laughs> keep everything out that you poke it with. Yeah, <laughs> I give it a five. <laughs> I give John a four. <laughs> well, if you saw the channel I took, you'd probably give me a two or maybe even a one. Um, but it 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 literally was every two minutes, and 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 I was looking at my watch because it started getting high enough that. You know, I, I had no desire to be sitting in the cold water again because the the air temperature and stuff was really, really cold. So whereas I had been down there that, you know, on the current when that thing ripped a hole in it, it was it was a warm day at least. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't too too bad that way. But but then the cold water on this trip, it was like, uh so I uh it was pumping out, yeah, literally every two minutes. And the thing that drove you crazy about it is as you're pumping, you were looking at the the high water mark on the banks yeah. that you're paddling by. And there has been a four foot drop of water sometime the previous week. Ooh, <laughs> oh, there wow. you go. Is there a so dam like, or something up there? I would have, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it, yeah, there was a, a four foot drop and it was like, man, I would have skated through this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, as we were paddling along, I saw Lisa hung up. She's very petite. So if she gets hung up, you know what that means for me, right? Yeah. So, I got hung up in another shallow section and said, okay, that's enough. Walked it to the shore and pulled the remaining part of that patch out and put another one on. And then it says, you know, let it cure. It cures by UV light. So I turned the boat towards, towards the sun, which is late afternoon now. It's uh, just going down behind a ridge. So I thought, okay. I'm going to put this on. I'll leave it. You know, I propped it up on my, uh, I separated the paddles, propped it up on those and gave Lisa uh, a headlamp I had because she didn't have, she, hers wasn't working. So gave it to her and said, look, go just, you know, paddle like crazy. Um, when you get to the takeout at our campsite, you know, take your, take your Subaru down to the water and turn on the headlights so I'll know where it's at. Right. So I waited probably 15 minutes uh, for it to cure. And, you know, and it, and it was, God, it was this beautiful spot too, right? There's these beautiful bluffs that you got this gold afternoon sun just, just going away. But there's a huge cave there. It's enormous cave, the, the largest one I saw down there. It's where the big and bears could, live. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Jesse James hidden money. Yeah, There's a treasure. They guard. <laughs> Sorry. And yeah. And uh so then it was like, okay, I gotta go. So uh started going. I had a, a second headlamp in my oh shit kit because, you know, redundant systems. Mm -hmm. Uh turned on the headlamp, just didn't work, right? Just didn't matter because you could see you could see the banks of the river, but you couldn't see the current well. You couldn't see where the strainers were. Right. Um, what was funny, though, is at one point I looked up at, at, at kind of the sky and up at the cliff, and I could see these two eyes reflecting and looking back down at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so as I'm paddling, I was like, well, wait a minute. What about the phone? Because, you know, a lot of times the phone cameras will pull up. Um, you know, and you'll actually be able to see better through the camera than you can actually see. And that actually worked for a little bit. Um, 
but eventually even that didn't work. And so I was just paddling in the dark. Right. And I got in, I got in about 45 minutes after sunset, I think it was. And, uh, I was very, very happy to see those car lights. I got to tell you what, uh, I, I had no clue where I was. And, uh, you know, first time on a river and with that many strainers, that was, you know, not a position I'd like to be in again, you know. That could have ended badly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, it didn't. Um, got in, uh, had dinner, kind of a nice night sitting around the fire. And then went to bed and around, I think it was about 1145, I'm going to guess, uh, the hillbilly showed up. <laughs> the hillbillies. So, so yeah. Would, like a banjo playing hillbillies or like car driving hillbillies or? Well, truck driving hillbillies that had either uh, cut off pipes or after really, really loud, loud aftermarket pipes pulled in behind our cars and just started revving up the engine. They I mean, knew you were there? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, there, there, there were our cars. And then this was an open field, and right in front of our cars were our tents. And so they saw the cars, they saw the tents, came over, and decided to huh. uh, announce their presence with authority. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was really nice. Huh. Um, and you're kind of like, okay, it's probably just some drunks or drunk kids, you know. And they leave, and it's like, okay, eventually go back to sleep. Showed up again about 1 a.m. Um, did the same thing, not as long this time, but, you know, it's uh, that makes you a little bit concerned when you're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, no cell service. Yeah, we've know. all seen the movies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, yeah. Well, and I don't think, honestly, you know, again, you can say, look, it's probably just drunk kids, but for anybody that's that much of a tool to do that, what else that, can they do? Right. And it's not a it's not a, a big stretch to say, you know, are they gonna come back and what are they gonna do to your tents or gear the next day? Yeah. Um, or are they gonna return the next evening with friends? So we thought about it and decided that we were gonna move down toward Bennett Springs State Park anyway, somewhere in that area. And so we decided to go down there, uh uh camp down there a day early. Uh it just just not worth it, right? No, not at all. So, um, so yeah, so we, we moved down there. It was an RV park, uh, was the only loop they had open still. And so it was all cement, um, but it was the, the Niangua river. And, uh, so we got there, we, you know, because we got in dark then too, um, and, and we're kind of setting up late and stuff. We got up, had a leisurely breakfast, decided we were going to go out and thought we could do you know, about a 15-mile day or something, and then realized when we looked at the map that our shuttle, that our drive to the, you know, to the uh, takeout and back was going to be about two hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So between the length, you know, because a lot of these roads, right, I mean, they're, they're, they'd be great roads to ride your motorcycle on because they're curvy, they're up and down the ridges, they're, you know, right. they're beautiful roads. But, again to to you know to get some some of these places it, it's, it's going to take you some time so we looked at it and said hey today's a short day so we're going to do a seven mile paddle 
so we went from the state park uh, there, just you know, not far from our campsite, down to the Barkley Conservation Area, and it was you know a, it was a fantastic relaxing paddle after you know the previous day with you know getting in late and uh, and we just did a lot of floating on that one. So the Barkley Conservation Area—that's not where they do the Barkley Marathon, is it? I can't imagine they would, but <laughs> that's the one it's, through the um, through the backcountry, through the forest, through the hills. Is there a prison really? nearby? Uh, I didn't look for one. Have to, well, you know, you know the the one I'm talking about, the Barkley Run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you talking like, about the the evil clown prison? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you find no. one of the heads. No, there's a <laughs> run through. Um, uh, the yes, the Barkley Run. Yeah, Barkley State Park or something. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, maybe it's in another place. Anyway, yeah. huh. so you went down there, good paddle for the yeah. day. Yeah, it was great. It's, you know, and that section of the river is where we, where you put in is literally 50 feet from where the spring runs into the, into the water. So your water levels are good. All right. Cause this and is the can, one with a lot of springs in it, isn't it? Yeah. And so the, the cool thing about this is you can always tell where the springs have entered the river. Because and and you might not even see it, right? There might be a little channel or a creek comes in or or uh, that that brings this in, but there is a there's a very deep green colored weed that grows on the rocks at that point. And so as you're paddling along, you see this down, and then you can kind of look back and say, "Oh, there must be a spring back up that creek." Uh, but it was also good because it cushioned the rocks for my kayak. So when I was bouncing off, you know, it was this very nice, cushy little, <laughs> yeah. um, but this is a, it's a beautiful stretch of water, but it would be horrific in summer, like terrible. Oh. I would, I would never consider paddling this during the main season. Why? There were tons of campgrounds and outfitters there. Oh, okay. And so busy, this busy, is the busy. place. Yeah. Super busy. Uh, that we saw more trash in the water here than any other place. Oh, You've got okay. this beautiful, clear water, I mean, gorgeous clear water, right? These, these streams, these spring-fed uh, streams and rivers are, are stunning. And then you look down and you see all these bush light cans and other bottles on the bottom and stuff. So yeah. this was also the first place that we saw any paddlers on any of the days we had gone out, you know. And, and there weren't a lot. And, and there were some, you know, some people out fishing, that kind of thing. And, and everybody was cool. But, um, but the, yeah, the trash was kind of a bummer, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially given how gorgeous this is, you know, but, but, you know, again, summer, busy summer, people are going to be there, right? Yeah. I think yeah. this is one of the biggest party rivers. Uh, this section was one of the biggest party rivers down there, if I remember right. Best to do it in the shoulder seasons then. Absolutely. And we, we loved it, right? Mm -hmm. It was great. So what we decided then was we had a short day, then we need to do a long day the next day. And we looked uh, for a good run, um, four or five springs along the way, three sections of rapids, I think, that were marked on the map. And we're looking at it going like, yeah, this looks pretty good. So if we go up to the drop-off point up at the lead mine conservation area, We'll, we'll put in where we, we had taken off on the short day, and then so we get this next section of river. This will be pretty great, you know. So we get up before the sun comes up. We pack, we have everything packed up. We just grab some, pack up some food for the, you know, and coffee and that kind of thing for the, the paddle. And go out there. We, we find, 
was that we found a route using one of the a driving app that got us there in a half an hour instead of 55 minutes. Oh, that's so always like, great. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we get out there, we drop the car, we get back in and we're going back to the takeout and the cell coverage drops. So, oh. but it started routing us a different way. So now we're out there and we've got no idea where we're at and you're taking <laughs> these little roads, you know, uh, cell coverage pops back in and we're like, yes, we're, you know, we're good. And it took us down these little these little roads, and we got to uh, Jugtown Road. Jugtown Jug Road, yeah. There were four low water bridges on it. <laughs> there were a number of places that we had to drive through, and and we're taking out my this again my little Toyota Corolla. So you're going through you know significant amount of water in a couple of spots. Mm. At one spot, it basically works its way down to like a two track forest road. Uh, and it was great fun, but it, it that would be an issue. It turns out it would be an issue for us later, but um, that's got like a back four to wheel the, drive place. Yeah, it, 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 honestly, it would. Yeah, yeah, that's what you really needed there. Uh, but it was an eighteen mile paddle. It was absolutely the best day of paddling we had down there, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. It's lots of you know, lots of curves, lots of islands. These little shoots that would toss you down into you know along these strainers. And once you kind of get that figured out, then we started playing in those. You know, we started splitting the strainers. And, and you know, and again, that's something I don't recommend um, because it is really dangerous, and you know, until you're, until you're certain of what, what you're doing. And then it still can be dangerous, right? Because you still can get thrown off, your, thrown off your route and such. But um, we got into um, just, I mean, it was... I can't tell you how much the joy of, of that and how much fun that was when you're shooting down through these things and, you know, you, you choose a little line and, and it, it's one of the things that makes river running so much fun. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was a great day. Um, the three rapid sections that were listed on the maps, uh, we recognized that one section we went through, oh, that must've been a rapids or what they were talking about for a rapids, right? Right. It wasn't named. It really wasn't worse than anything we saw in the current, which didn't have anything marked for it. And after we got through that, we were kind of like, okay, the others are likely going to be minor, but, you know, we still don't know what what they were talking about after we went through them, the next two. Like, it was like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we've, we've come across those kind of things before. We were expecting this big water and it's nothing. Yeah. But it could be the time of year or just could be that year. True enough, right? True enough. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, yeah, we, we had lunch. We had this great lunch spot, uh, High Rock Bank. The sun came out. You know, there were high bluffs visible up river. There was this really weird rusted out like old city bus uh, or a trolley right. uh, in the woods across the river from where we were eating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like, Wow. I mean, you kind of want to go over and take a look through it, but you're also like, well, <laughs> time-wise, and that's probably on private property too. So, But um, continued on through, and, and again, this, this super curvy river, lots of uh, strainers that, you know, we were able to navigate safely and got to the takeout and some really nice people camped there. 
a couple who had been out riding the horse trails and, you know, everybody was really friendly, which was, you know, nice after the idiots the previous yeah, evening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so that, that was, that was kind of nice. Um, but the Niangua was like, after doing that, you're just kind of like, Ooh, you know, that's, that's worth doing again, you know? Um, but, uh, the next day we were going to try to do like, a basically start up upriver from the state park and then just kind of paddle down and, and connect to that, you know, that uh, seven mile run we had already done. So, you know, a little bit new, a little bit old, but be a nice day. And when we went up to the put in, which this fisherman's like, okay, you go between the old house and the junkyard <laughs> with all the cars out in the field. <laughs> you <know>? Oh, great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we went up there and, and the water level was, you know, it was like ankle deep. There was no way we were getting down the section of river. Right. So we just went back down to Bennett Springs and uh, we did that same run again. And, uh, you know, there's, there's the expression, you know, you're never on the same river twice, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because it can change so much, whether it's water level or things in, you know, uh, strainers falling or, you know, something different. Right. Um, for us, it was that the catch and release fishing season had opened. And so that, uh, that morning, so at 8 AM, a siren went off and all these people were out fishing. So <laughs> really? what's the siren for? Uh, so the, uh, I'm assuming it was shotgun start uh, for fishing. This is the start time. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So we, uh, we're paddling down through the, it was like running the gauntlet that were fishermen all the way down there. You know? <laughs> so you're, you're kind of like, you know, and they're fly fishing, right? So they're whipping back, you know, uh, whipping back their line and everything to place it. So you're like, okay, Hey, coming up behind you. Yeah. On your right. Yep. You know, and that kind of thing. And, and one guy was standing in the middle of the only section of water that was deep enough to paddle through. And so I, I told him, I'm like, look, I'm going to have to come in really close. The water's shallow here. I'm going to have to come in right behind you. And he said, it won't be the first time I've been hit in the butt by a paddler. <laughs> <laughs> and, so he's used to standing in the wrong spot. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, some people are super territorial about that stuff, yeah. right? Um, and these guys weren't. So that was great. Should have given him a slap as you went on by. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bang, hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so we we paddled down through there we, we saw some hunters out in ground blinds too along the the river rock bars and i and i think every time we went out we saw you know white-tailed deer um mm -hmm. so a lot of people were you know were were taking advantage of the hunting season starting up too yeah tis the season as they say yep and so this time we paddled we didn't float it this time we just you know paddled down it, it i think it took an hour less time you know, so, right. um, I saw one thing on there and it, it just cracked me up and I didn't get on video and I really wish I would have, like, I should have turned around, went back up because Alan Drummond will say, if it's not, if it's not on video, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Picture or it didn't a, happen. Yep. There was a log coming out of the water and it was perfectly in alignment with the river and in front of up river from the log and hung up on it was like a middling sized uh, branch or log about probably about eight feet long. And it had a bend in the middle of it, which was what caught on the log. 
So what happened is, as one side would pull downstream, it would pull the other side up and drop, and then that would pull the other side, and it would repeat, and it went repeat, repeat, repeat. It actually looked like someone was paddling a kayak paddle. Oh. Huh. And the way it was hung up, it just kept going. And it was like, I've never seen anything like that. That's, you know, I should have gone back because it was just one of those things that was like so bizarre and so cool, you know? It's like a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> exactly. It really was, you know? Still probably going down there. So if anybody, you know, anybody from uh, Missouri reads this, uh, Christy or Michael or anyone like that, go check it out for me. Um, <laughs> Take some pictures. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, yeah, we went back. Uh, we got uh, back to the campsite. And if you remember, um, a couple weeks ago when we talked, I was super excited about going to a southern uh, cuisine restaurant. Um, I vaguely remember you rubbing it in our faces. <laughs> yes. 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 That would, be, that would be one way to put it. Okay. Yes. Vaguely. Rings yes. a bell. Yes. So, um, we thought we would go up that night to try out this restaurant. So, we drove back up the interstate about 45 minutes. We get back up to Waynesville. And it turns out that the, our apps direct us to the old location. Oh, where there is no information on the new location. <laughs> Good. Uh, Facebook, it mentions that it has hours that are different than what's listed on Google. And they, they had mentioned that they were going to a new place and post would post the new hours. So I assume those were the new hours. Um, apparently, they're still not open. Oh. Yeah. So you now, went there and didn't get barbecue. <laughs> we feel so bad. Oh, yeah, sorry you? to hear that. So this follows, though. I had sent an email to the owner and said, "Hey, I'm super excited. I'm coming down to do this these things for Paddling Adventures Radio, and just really looking forward to trying your, you know, your food." And I got this really nice response. So we're very, uh, we're very happy and honored. You're coming down, and and uh, you'll definitely leave with a full belly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Did not mention at any point in time they were not open. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know that would have leave nice... with a very full belly if you stop at the McDonald's on the interstate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll also notice I'm not mentioning this restaurant's name or the name of this person because I sent them another thing that said, "Hey, we're coming back into the area. We we left early, but we're coming back through." just so we can go here, you know, we're super excited to try your place. Um, and then a, a message while we were there that says, hey, we can't seem to find you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no phone number for you either. Um, why don't you call me at this number and, and you know, we really want to try out your place. And got nothing, and to this day have got nothing oh, wow. from that from really? said owner. So, yeah. So, um there may be a reason that place is closed down <laughs> hmm. with no forwarding information. I don't know. That's unfortunate. So, yeah, yeah. So we picked up some carryout. There's a regional barbecue chain down there out of St. Louis, and we picked up some barbecue there. And 
drove back to eat at the campsite and this big storm came in. So as we were driving back, the first wave of the storm came across. Uh, it was pouring so hard that we were going about 15 miles an hour down the highway. I mean, it was, you just couldn't see right. um, very far at all. Uh, we made it back to the state park, but it was still raining. So rather than, you know, eat at the campsite in the rain, we thought, well, let's just eat in the car. We'll park under some lights near the park store and in the parking lot and we'll be fine. So just as we're getting ready to do that, uh, this park truck comes flying up. Guy rolls down the window and says, you're my tenters, right? <laughs> so, yeah. He tells us there's a tornado warning watch, oh. whatever it is, uh, big storm advisories, and that he opened a storage room at the hotel up the hill for us that we can go into if it gets too bad. Oh. So, yeah, really nice guy, right? Yeah. Um, really nice guy. Uh, and then, <laughs> and the funny thing was, then he starts talking about our boats. He's like, those aren't your typical wreck boats. Like, uh, they rent around here, are they? So, no, they're a little different. And, and uh, so we start talking about the boats, and he keeps asking questions. Well, the thing was, it was still raining really hard. <laughs> so he's got, you know, he's got the truck window rolled down, but he's wearing a big, like, uh, you know, a uh, uh, high-vis rain yeah, jacket rain and stuff, right. you know, real heavy, heavy duty. And Lisa's sitting there just getting soaked. <laughs> but the thing is, this is also a guy that just opened up a shelter for us. So you can't really beg off the conversation, right? <laughs> Don't want to be rude to this guy. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we went back to the campsite. Wind started picking up. Uh, anchored down the guy lines on. I'd taken down my big Agnes winter tent. Anchored down the guy lines on that. Uh, she had made sure everything with her tent was, you know, rock solid, get back in the car and watching the wind pick up and the tent start to balloon up and you're like, Ooh, this is not good. Mm -hmm. So I get out, I take my, uh, I take a rope, I run it between the loops of the tents, the loops of the flies all the way back around both, uh, make a big kind of circle with it, tie it off on the car and thinking, okay. If something happens, they're not going anywhere. You know, at least at least we know that. And get a weather advisory on the phone that says hail the size of a quarter is possible. Oh wow. Oh lovely. Yeah. So we looked at the map, looked at what was coming in and decided, you know what? We went out with like we tore everything down, threw it in the cars, and went up to the shelter. And so uh, got up there. Couldn't find the room that he had said was open. Finally found the room. You know, and at the time, it was like, he was messing with us. He just, <laughs> he's probably so in the woods. So I told him, I opened the door. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, so we found the room, and it was just like this sort of a two-room storage area, a lot of boxes. But they did have this huge, like, stuffed animal black bear. So, oh. of course, we, we took silly shots with the black bear um <laughs> and then decided to to stay up you know just to stay in the cars then up like next to the hotel even so if it did get really bad and and the winds were blowing but we'd have some protection from that too right um and now so, john owns a giant black stuffed black bear <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I'm not saying I would have stolen it, but, you know, if I didn't have a little Corolla, uh, no, no, no. If Lisa didn't uh, beat you to it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. So, uh, but I, I had hoped that we would be able to go out paddling 
the Lisa had to go back the next day uh, so she could be to work on Monday. And I thought, well, you know what? I could maybe go up and hit the next section that we'd wanted to do up on the Gasconade, uh, about another 14-mile section. And she said, well, yeah, I can shuttle you in the morning before I leave. Um, but at that point, because everything was, you know, sort of just soaked and thrown in the vehicles and, mm-hmm. we, you know, we did, did have to wait for the sun to come up and get everything out. And it just wasn't time. So as it turned out, it was a good thing, though, because as we were driving back on the interstate on I-39 through Illinois, it uh, her tire blew out. <laughs> so, oh, I think I, I mean, saw it, a picture. Of I that. saw a picture of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it shredded. It was, you know, so we're out in the middle of nowhere. It's cold, windy, you know. Uh, We get a really, really unhelpful AAA agent. Um, And it was going to be at least 90 minutes till they could get someone there. So Lisa just called uh, 911. State police pulled up behind us so they could throw on the lights to keep cars from running into us. So I got out, changed it really quick out, and then we drove back up to my parents. But surprisingly, I I was very surprised by this. The Subaru doesn't come with a full spare. It only comes with a little donut spare. A lot of modern cars do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I was surprised. I would have thought the Subaru, you know, given safety and everything else, right? Um, would actually have a full, full tire back there, but yeah, I had the donut spare. So we then got on the back roads and, and, you know, made it up to my parents a couple hours later and then she ended up having to call in and, uh, she ended up getting back and, and, uh, putting on a new set of tires. So, (laughs) so the, the, you know, between the storm and, and the ride back, it was kind of a rough end to the trip, but it was, you know, it was a great trip overall. Absolutely great. Um, the rivers down there are, they're really fantastic. And and the Gasconade, you know, even though they're saying, well, this is the crookedest river and, you know, everything. From what I paddled, where I paddled, and looking at the map just beyond that too, I, I don't think it, it matches some of the small rivers even that we have like in, in south, southwestern Wisconsin um, in terms of, you know, that curve the curviness right right but it's a gorgeous river it is it is fun to paddle it's beautiful and uh i can't wait to go back in spring and run some more of these when the water's a little bit higher and that would be it if, if you could run these when they were higher yeah that would definitely yeah yeah it. yeah and and we're not even talking it doesn't need to be a lot higher right we're, we're talking Just six inches, inches to yeah, a foot. yeah yeah yeah, yeah like a foot know, so so to go down in in um, in spring with uh, when there's a little bit more rain, uh, I'm you know I'm psyched about it. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome I talked trip. To, we need talk to get to, down there. Mm-hmm. We do. Oh, we, need, we need to do a destination. Yeah. When the when the border opens up, you guys definitely need yes. to go down there. We could get down there and and do like uh, Jack's Fork or I think there's uh, another really nice one uh, reportedly. It's called I think Eleven Point or something. And uh, that would be an outstanding thing to do because, you know, I mean, these are great. And, and I got a, a, a correspondence with um, a Facebook friend who I've never met, but who's a paddler and, and listens to, to the podcast, uh, Christy Kurtz. And she was telling me that their New Year's, uh, her plans are to go out to paddle, I think, part of the current river 
And then there's an underground cave lake that they're going to go into on New Year's Day. And it's like, wow. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hmm. And we're paddling underground. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I, I can't recommend it highly enough down there, you know. Yeah. Well, thanks for the trip report, John. That's awesome. Mm. Makes, yeah, it makes good me fun. hungry to go. Yeah. Yep. And now all we have to do is get through winter to get down there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> summer paddling south of the border. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah. times. Let's hope. I'm hoping so, man. Yeah. Um, You got anything else, Derek? I've got nothing. John, you got anything else? Nothing. Wow. This has been like a, just a you guys show tonight. I just came around <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> I'm, I'm just pressing a button that says record, stop recording, so record, stop recording. That's the only reason I'm here tonight. I could have sat upstairs and watched like The Crown or something. A little bit of The Outlander or the uh, Downton Abbey while yeah. you guys were down here. There is a lot of paddling in those shows too, you know? Is there really? <laughs> I don't think so. Not that kind of paddling, John. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Sorry. I didn't say Fifty Shades of Grey, John. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome guys uh, if you want to find out more about us you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter we are on iTunes Spotify uh, Google Play no we're not on Google Play anymore because Google Play no longer exists uh, really? Yeah, yeah. They they change things around. Yeah, so they, the, they do that a lot. We're in the process. Uh, Player FM and all your favorite podcast only. If you actually Google Paddling Adventures Radio, it pops it, up it, everywhere. Like Blueberry and Podcaster, Stitcher, Bean, yeah. like all these different things. Mm-hmm. We're everywhere, man. Uh, <laughs> you can go to the episode page of PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com. We're all 250. This is 250. Dude, episode really? 250. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We have no life. (laughs) (laughs) We've only missed one week, haven't we? Yeah, we only missed one week out of 200. This would have been 251. Yes. Wow. Um, Yeah, so go to the episode page of Paddling Adventures Radio and you can uh, listen or download all 250 episodes. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and uh, we always appreciate getting emails from people to... uh, you know, give us ideas, hints, and just general chit-chat, ask questions, that sort of thing. Uh, John, I want to thank you for coming on this week. Thanks thank for, you, guys. Thanks for the good trip uh, trip uh, report there. And uh, definitely, when you have the NovaCraft uh, Facebook page, we'll post a link to that. And uh, same with the fundraiser for the Outdoor Kind. We'll uh, post, post that on our Facebook page as well. Yeah, it should be fun. Appreciate it. No, nah, not a problem. Do the same for someone we actually liked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.